Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. I cannot believe that we are at the tail end of our series. You won't believe what we have seen in partnership with SQA Services. In this series, we have heard some amazing stories of quality and the important role it plays in supply chain. From aircraft and aerospace to saving lives in healthcare, to the high stakes world of technology, to what we will be talking about today, which is the world of beauty secrets. The team at SQA really has seen it all, but more importantly, they have played a crucial role in supply chains globally by being a trusted partner to brands that affect your everyday lives. Today, Mike from SQA is joining us and Ashley from MERS to talk about the beauty industry and what they have seen. For those of you who don't know Mike, Mike, let's start with you. Tell us who you are, what you do, and what is the biggest secret in beauty supply chains today? Thank you, Sarah. My name is Mike McKay. I'm president and CEO of SQA Services, a company I started 25 years ago. And uh, geez, the biggest secret in beauty supply chain today, I'd have to go with The fact that most people don't realize that in the personal care world, supply chains are every bit as demanding and complex and critical as in the pharma world. We're putting things on our skin, on our eyes and our mouths, and proper manufacturing of those products are paramount. And with large global brands and supply chains that stretch across borders and seas, the quality principles are equally important in the med as as in the med pharma world and other quality critical industries. Yeah, I can totally see that. I mean, it's it's crucial, right? We're putting all of these things on our skin, like you said, on our eyes, and it really gets to the core of who we are as people, and it could really affect us in positive or negative ways. So welcome to the show, Ashley. Why don't you tell us who you are, what you do, and what is the biggest secret in beauty supply chains today? Hi, Sarah. Thank you. My name is Ashley Goldberg, and I am the head of quality for Mertz North America. Um, We are a company that has three distinct divisions, one being aesthetics, therapeutics, and then the third being consumer care. And so in my role, I'm responsible for the quality of all of our entire supply chain and our manufacturing processes. And, you know, as I look at what the biggest secret is in the beauty supply chain today, I absolutely agree with Mike. Um, It is as complex as we see on the medical device and the pharma side, but we've got the added complexity, especially on the consumer side of the seasonality that comes with beauty products. As you can imagine, as you get into each different season, you have a higher demand for some products over others. And so making sure that we have that product ready for delivery in advance of the season and on the shelves in the stores adds that incremental complexity above and beyond what you're going to see in your traditional hospital products. Absolutely. And trends, right? It's not just seasonal, but I think we're, we're also talking about the trends that you've got to keep on top of. Absolutely. All right. So let's get into the kinds of companies that you're working with, Mike. I want to, I mean, from the last couple of episodes, the stories that have come out of this are amazing and I can't wait to dive right in. So what kind of companies are you and SQA working with in the beauty space specifically? Yeah, quite a few. Uh, Estee Lauder is a large partner of ours, Johnson & Johnson. We work with Bayer for their sunscreen products. 
Colgate Palmolive, which I think we're going to talk about soon, which was my first big customer when starting SQA back in 1995. Limited Brands, Edgewell, Energizer Holdings, and Ashley's company, MERS Aesthetics, to name a few. Ashley, why don't you give us a little bit of insight into into Merck's? What what exactly um, does Merck's do? So um, on our aesthetic side, we actually have a number of drugs and medical devices in the aesthetic space that are highly regulated pharmaceutical and medical device products. We have a botulinum toxin that's used in the aesthetic field um, for the, you know, the frown lines you see between your eyes there. Um, but then also we've got a portfolio of dermal fillers that are used to, you know, augment different places in the face. We also have a hands indication. And then we also have uh, products on the uh, energy-based side um, with all therapy, where we have a non-invasive lifting technology, which is really an alternative to a facelift. Wow. So you're really, really dealing with, you know, products that are going into our skin as well, which is really, really crucial and really important to being quality products, right? Because, um, it's so it's just really, really important with with what you're doing and the work that you're doing with Mike, which we're gonna get into in just a minute. So Mike, you mentioned the story around Colgate. And I have to tell you, when you guys told me this first story, I think I heard it from Brad. Um, I just thought it was amazing. And it showcases your efforts as a leader and obviously an entrepreneur. So tell everybody, you know, tell us the story about how SQA all began uh, around Colgate. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so I spent the first year, uh, you know, with SQA doing nothing but talking to people like Ashley, quality experts out there and trying to recruit them to work for our company on a part time temporary basis. So I needed a product to sell. And I, I did that and only that for one year. And I simultaneously started cold calling companies and Colgate was on my list. And I spoke to a gentleman named John Hill. I'll never forget him. Uh, right on Park Avenue in New York City. And he was their head of quality. And I called, I don't know, hundreds of people and left them messages. And finally, John called me back and he said, Mike, I, I, I really need your help. We have an emergency out there. It was on the nightly news, and uh, I need your organization to help me immediately. I said, what's going on? He said, well, we have people foaming at the mouth around the United States that are using Colgate toothpaste, but we don't know where it's coming from. We don't know why it's happening. So we need you to go to a few cities where these uh, incidents are being reported. We need you to buy the toothpaste and ship it to us in New York City. So I flew to three different U.S. cities, literally spent uh, three straight nights up meeting people. And back then, there was the Internet didn't exist. Uh, I only had Thomas guides of Tucson, Dallas, and Los Angeles. I Xeroxed all the pages and all those Thomas guides and hand, handed people cash to go buy toothpaste. And I marked out with a fluorescent pen where they need to go. And it was primarily being sold in 99 cent stores. And uh, anyway, I sent tons of people out. They came, they came back with tubes and tubes and tubes of toothpaste. And we shipped them to New York City. And then I had one associate in Los Angeles 
that called me from a warehouse and said, there's no way I can, I can buy all the product that's here. And I said, I don't care if it costs $100,000. We need to buy all the product and ship it to New York. He said, you'd need millions of dollars. I found the warehouse where all the product is uh, located and you'd need pallets and pallets and pallets. So I said, please bring a catalog of the warehouse. And I Federal Express that catalog to Colgate-Palmolive. John said, I understand. Thank you. And the bottom line is, through their investigation, it was Colgate product. However, it was being manufactured in the Maldives, where they had different uh, water, different you know, different elements within their product that were okay for people to use in the Maldives, but they were not okay for people in the United States. So it wasn't a huge emergency, but at the end of the day, literally I went from zero sales to several hundred thousand dollars by employing, I don't know, two to 300 people in three different cities and shipping over 38,000 tubes of toothpaste to Colgate. And then I got my first, you know, uh, lump of cash that allowed me to hire uh, a team of employees. So it was, it, it, you know, I spent some time with John recently in New York City about a year ago, and he did not know until last year that he was my first huge customer that allowed our company, frankly, to uh, survive and thrive over the last 25 years. Incredible. And I'm so glad we were able to share that story with the audience today, because if you think about it, those aren't those aren't things that we would necessarily think of that would um, have an impact on a product like toothpaste, you know, where it's being made, how it's being made, the elements that it's being made in, how it could have such a large impact um, coming into the States and the different elements that it is subjected to here would cause that kind of reaction. And so I'm glad that the audience can really wrap their heads around what really goes through from a manufacturing perspective and how important it is to make sure that it goes to the right places. So Ashley, I'm going to turn this one over to you um, because you're a quality expert and one that Mike tried to recruit. So I'm sure you are amazing at what you do. What are some of the consequences of not having the right suppliers, specs, or plan in place when it comes to the beauty industry? Thanks, Sarah. Um, I think that I've seen a lot of consequences of this. And where I've seen this most often is really in startup companies. So a startup company has really the objective to design a product and get it to market. Because if they're not generating revenue, they're not going to survive. And often what we see um, in a company like MERS that's been around for over 110 years, as we're looking to expand our product portfolio and as we are growing organically and inorganically, we have been in positions where we're acquiring startup companies. And often what we see is that with that live or die mentality, um, there isn't the time, effort, and energy necessarily put into developing the right specifications and the right supply chain um, at the beginning. And it could be for a number of different reasons. A lot of times with a startup or as you're getting ready to launch a new product, you don't have the purchasing power and you don't have the volume that's going to get you into some of the larger suppliers. I have worked with suppliers that have told me that they spill more in a year than I buy and I'm not a priority for them. 
And so it's really, really important to make sure that you know and understand your supply chain and then really build strong partnerships with that entire supply chain from that raw material sourcing through the manufacturing process and then on the downstream process after manufacturing through delivery ultimately to your customer. And as you're building those relationships, it's crucial that you build them such that it fosters good feedback and innovation because you as a manufacturer of a product are not necessarily an expert on each of the components or the materials that go into your product. Acknowledging that, recognizing it, and using your supplier who probably is an expert in manufacturing that part that goes into your medical device or that uh, component that goes into your cosmetic or your pharmaceutical product is really important because they can help you know and understand the variability that you might be seeing in your manufacturing process because they're an expert on that particular element. Yeah. And I love the fact that you brought up the startup space too, right? Because we've been talking about a lot of enterprise companies on this series, but of course, you know, there's always the startup community and they're looking to get into all sorts of different industries, including beauty. And they may not be able to hire somebody like Mike and the team at SQA right off the bat, um, but it's still important for them to really understand what quality means, not only to their business, to their consumer, but also within their supply chains. And I think you did a really great job of honing in on that and giving us an overview of what that really, really means to the startup community. Is there anything that you wanted to add to that, Mike? I know we've kind of gone into the to, to the startup space. Um, not really. I fully agree with your assessment. I mean, I've known Ashley for the better part of 15 years and hearing her eloquently go through all these things. I think she did a perfect job with your question. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So now we've, we've spoken about the challenges. We've done the overview of, of the supply chain and, and what that really means to the startup community, but as best practices, like let's get into those best practices, Ashley, you know, with suppliers, what has that done with your business and how has SQA supported you in those initiatives and the initiatives that you continue to put forth in the industry? Um, so like I mentioned, really building that strong partnership with that honest relationship is really, really essential both in building your um, relationship with your supplier, but then also as you're utilizing a company like SQA to support your organization. Um, one of the benefits of a company like SQA is that the way their model is structured is such that they fit into your organization to augment your company and your staff to really build up that robust supply chain. So they're going to come in as an honest partner with you and help facilitate and continue to build that partnership that you have with your supply chain. So they're coming in to support it and augment it and ultimately making sure that you have the ability to build that really strong, honest relationship throughout your supply chain. So like I mentioned, when you run into issues or manufacturing problems or um a component that isn't behaving like you anticipate, you can work together with your supply partners to solve the issue, to look at ways to do cost reduction or um, new product innovation. It's really having that, that partnership that makes that supply chain robust and successful. 
Yeah, and you bring up a really good point because on the episode that we the 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 last episode that we did that I did with uh, Mike and Jim, we spoke about some of the challenges, the internal challenges of the customers, right, and how they are there to be a supportive factor in exactly what you're what you're mentioning there. But sometimes they're not looked at the the supporting factor; they're looked at the ones that are coming in and sort of talking about the challenges that should have potentially been remediated already. Mike, do you want to jump in on this and talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, you know, quite often when we engage with a new customer, you know, we're sizing each other up. Uh, we're t- discussing the potential need for our services. We're talk- talking about customizing approach for them. And many times the organization we're speaking to, they don't only want our input from, like, if we're talking to Estee Lauder, they, they may not just want to hear about the, our clients in the beauty world. They may want to hear about uh, things that we're doing in the world of technology or the world of uh, aerospace, where we're bringing really hardcore 60, 70-page checklists that are more robust on rocketry parts and applying the same procedures with their specific products. So they want to learn. And uh, so with our breadth of experience and all these different industry verticals, many times we bring a new way of thinking to each respective partnership. And and that's how we add value. Uh, They see us as the experts. And we also learn more about uh, each of our companies as we grow along. So that would be my contribution there, Sarah. Yeah, I could only imagine how much you're learning about various different industries. And I know from being in uh, beauty supply chains in my previous life that, you know, just like we spoke about in aerospace or aircraft, there's a lot of moving parts, right? Um, especially when you're, you're taking a look at sourcing of ingredients when it comes to skincare or makeup. Um, there's a lot of different components that are coming from the outside, like sustainability and the drug for sustainability and natural products and, and things like that. So I want to get back to what quality really means to the beauty industry. It means to beauty supply chains, because I feel like it is absolutely critical to this industry. I mean, the other industries that we've spoken about, it's absolutely critical to those as well, but beauty in specific. So why is quality at the source so important? Ashley, I want to start with you on that. And then Mike, we're going to get into a little bit more of the supply chain with that. Got it. Um, It's absolutely essential to start with Um, quality raw materials and a quality supply chain, especially if you're outsourcing any part of your manufacturing. Um, It's absolutely necessary to make sure that you have been there, you visited it, you see who you're working with, and you take a look at the equipment and the environment in which your your products are manufactured in. as I, you know, think back through the number of different audits and things I've done over the years, especially on the cosmetic space, because it doesn't have as robust of regulations that we see with the medical devices and the pharmaceuticals. Um, as your sourcing team may be looking to identify lowest cost alternatives and things like that, you have to get in there and see what 
is that environment like? I've been in some facilities that are manufacturing in the space that have peeling paint that's on their equipment that's falling into um, into their solutions or their their lotions or their creams. They've got filling lines with holes in them that have gloves tied on it to try to you know stem the leak. So mm. ensuring that your entire supply chain and all of your partners have the same values and integrity you have for your product because ultimately your customer is what matters is so important because if it's not right when it's manufactured each step of the supply chain it gets more difficult to try to correct or fix you end up with you know defects or scrap which ultimately can imp- impact your ability to deliver your product to um, the market on time as you're looking at you know different trends in the market or seasonality it's really essential that on on that cosmetic space you're able to adapt and react very very quickly to an increase in demand for a certain type of product or something like that and so having that very strong value-based supply chain is essential so that you can trust your partner when you need them to double production because the demand for the product is increased that you know they're not going to cut corners they're not going to do anything that isn't in align with what your company values are yeah and i i'm just going to jump in before you before you go to that mike because time is of the essence. You know, when you talk about seasonality and you talk about trends, um, time really is money, right? And so not only are you having to spend time potentially fixing all these issues and so being very um, concerned about the quality and who you're working with at the start becomes very, very important, but it's also affecting the bottom line of the business as a whole. It's going to, you know, potentially ruin a reputation through your customer experience, depending on what they're getting delivered to them. Um, And again, with the seasonality and the trends, you don't have a lot of time to deliver, right? I'm, I'm guessing, and Ashley, correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't have a lot of time between the, the time that you've, um, that the product is being moved into, let's say, North America and then being distributed and delivered to the end consumer. Absolutely. And I just want to touch on something Ashley mentioned. She mentioned, you know, cost. And there are a lot of pressures in these organizations to cut cost and to move to cheaper sources of supply in faraway lands. And some of them are third world countries where there could be some huge challenges. And I I can't go into too many uh, horror stories because of legal reasons, but we've seen some alarming things uh, in products things that are unmentionable, things that uh, are jaw-dropping. And so when you go to these new horizons for that last bastion of cost savings, you got to ask yourself, is the risk really worth it? You know, is this really making sense? And at the end of the day, what's the cost of, uh, you know, customer dissatisfaction with one poor experience? So I just wanted to throw that in there as well. No, it's a great point because like I I was mentioning before with uh, customer expectation, I mean, that really is the driver, right? And I I always talk about how supply chain really needs to collaborate with all of the departments in the business, you know, whether it be customer expectation or customer experience, you know, marketing, sales, um, you know, you name it, supply chain really is the core, 
of what it means to be that business. And so when Ashley was talking about the values and the values being aligned with um, your suppliers and your vendors and who you're working with and who you're relying on for your brand, because essentially that is what's happening and that is why quality at the beginning is so very important because that's your brand on the line. And I know that consumer behavior is really driving a lot of the business decisions, the supply chain decisions nowadays. So I want to talk a little bit about that because there's there's a lot that's happening in the beauty space. I know that there's a lot with a lot of conversation around influencers, which I, I think, Ashley, you're going to talk about in this next, this next part of the conversation. Um, so how is consumer behavior driving supply chain optimization and how is Maersk and um, SQA working together in this regard? Thanks, Sarah. As you know, we look at consumer behavior and we look at our product portfolio, um, we have medical devices, pharmaceutical product, and cosmetics. And on the, the pharmaceutical and medical device side, the regulations actually require that we collect and incorporate customer feedback into our design and into um, our manufacturing processes as we're looking at lifecycle management. And with social media, consumer behavior and feedback is exponentially faster than we've ever seen it in the past. Um, You know, consumer behavior has always really been driven based on some sort of referral. But with social media, an individual influencer can really reach hundreds of thousands of followers as opposed to that traditional word of mouth, you know, my friend really liked it. With those, those bloggers and their influencers, they'll try a product and they will demo the product on Instagram or something like that and immediately reach a huge population of people. And these influencers have really built their reputation on providing honest feedback on products. And so their feedback on, on a, a different product, whether it's a you know, consumer product or even if it's a medical treatment in the, in the beauty or the aesthetic space, they're going to record and share their experience through that entire process. And they're going to share it honestly and directly with people who have built a trust relationship with them. And so, you know, as you as we look at that, designing quality into the supply chain is something that we've talked about is really essential and a critical focus. But making sure that the quality of your product is consistent and cr- is the same delivery every time it gets to a consumer is really, really important in this day and age because your one trial, your one use of a product is now going to have that experience reach so many more people than it ever necessarily would have in the past. Yeah, that's such a great point. I mean, think about it. Right. So the the quality assurances that you have in place at the beginning of your supply chain, not only through that customer experience is going to affect your brand, but it's also going to potentially affect somebody else's brand. And depending on how they deliver and what they put out into the public, you know, potentially in front of millions and millions of people can make or break your company or your brand. And I think we just sort of, yeah, I think we just sort of like, no, it's fine. I think we just sort of let that simmer for a second because people really need to, and maybe I need to say it for a second time, the quality that you are assessing at the beginning of your supply chain not only affects your brand, but it, uh, it, if you're working with an influencer and you're going to get out in front of millions and millions of people, 
it could make or break your brand. Sorry, Mike. I mean, jump in here because I think this is a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I talked to Ashley last week and we were putting our thoughts together about what would be the most entertaining and educational topics. And, you know, she spoke about, you know, back in the 70s, how people bought cosmetics and they would go and they'd go to the local, you know, Dillard's and they had a relationship with someone and and they would try things on and go from there. And that's how it worked. But now it's completely uh, expedited. That entire process is now digital. I, I, I had a jaw dropping conversation with my son the other day. He's active on a platform called TikTok and he's got 800,000 yep. followers and he does all these little videos about flying and other things. But I looked at him and I said, what if you did a video on beauty products? And he said, well, it would get to 800,000 people. And some of his videos have been seen by literally over 40 million people and they've been shared at rock concerts and things like that. So here's this 19 year old kid, you know, hitting send in the garage where he's got you know, a tarp behind him, and he's got a lot of influence. And so you think about all these influencers out there, and I've just, I've been blown away with how um, the sales process, but as actually mentioned earlier, you got to be careful what you wish for, because, you know, when you hit send and someone's disenchanted or has a poor experience, the quality, uh, you know, that's a, that's a viral uh, share in the wrong direction. So I think it heightens the importance of everything being made just right. Absolutely. And that's a great, great point. So we, in each of the episodes that we've done in this series, we've talked about your quality is campaign because I love it. You guys love it. Your customers love it. Um, cause it really showcases what quality means in the different industries that you guys are working on. So, as you look into the future of beauty, how does quality fit into the supply chain and how important is it moving forward? Mike, we'll start with you and then Ashley will get some closing comments. Yeah. So for the first 20 years of our company, I tried to sell our services by calling everybody. And then, we, you know, we got a lot of referrals and, and that's great. Customers tell the story better than we can. But I was really frustrated in 2016. I, You know, it's not all that um, exciting, you know, talking to companies about third-party outsourcing of audits, inspections, and quality engineering. So I wanted to come up with all the common characteristics of what we determine our best customers to have been over the first 20 years in the company. And we, I came up with all these really unique things, things like quality beautifies, quality protects, quality enhances, all these different things. And it's an entire theme and there's a picture behind it. And it, and, you know, when I went into Bayer in Germany recently in Leverkusen, I walk into two senior executives office and, and our SQA calendar is on the wall and it says quality is. And, you know, I, I chuckled. I said, did you guys put that up just because I was walking in the office? And they said, no, we use this with our team at Bear. We share your ideas and your passion to quality and all the things that SQA touches we do that with our department and every month we turn the page, you know, and we, we talk again about how we all touch quality in uh, obscure and not so obscure ways. So it's been a very successful campaign and it's something every employee takes a part of. So we have contests when people come up with new ideas and for the 2021 
calendar, uh, three candidates are quality beautifies, quality enhances, and quality protects. So, you know, what would be the image up there and what would capture people's attention? And then, then we put a factoid below it and we try to educate and entertain. Yet again, the, the things to make, uh, you know, offering our services a little bit different than, uh, you know, traditional uh, boring sales, if you will. Yeah, and I think that I think that's great because and it you know it's something that you need to be more intentional about and keeping top of mind obviously within your customers um so that they are keeping quality in mind but it's also making quality more approachable, more accessible, more understood. And that's what I like really really like about that campaign campaign. So what do you think of the future of beauty? How how does quality fit into the supply chain? How important is it moving forward? Well, it's you know it, it, when we started the conversation, I think people have a misunderstanding that Beauty products might be a rung below pharma and med device, and it's, it's, it really is not. The risks are just the same. Uh, in our last episode, we talked about uh, technology. We talked about, uh, you know, my parents being 84 and 86 years old. And when I went in to see my mom after surgery, I'm seeing our customer names on the products. I'm, you know, Striker Orthopedic on the bed she's sitting on. And, you know, anytime we're putting a product on our body or in our body, it's of equal importance and quality moving forward. That's just something in all industries uh, that's paramount, but especially when it involves, uh, you know, being applied to the human body or ingested. Great. And Ashley, what, uh, what do you want to provide to us about the, the future of, of beauty as some closing comments? Um, I guess I would really like to say, you know, that it is like we've talked about, it's so important to design quality into your supply chain from the beginning. Um, it's been an essential key focus for MERS in its entire history, which has been over 110 years. And as a longstanding family-owned company, our commitment to customers, innovation, and delivery of trusted results are our corporate values. We have a very low risk tolerance when it comes to, you know, any sort of risk to to our products, our patients, or anything like that. And as, you know, we see how market trends are changing and things like that, it, it's always been important to ensure that there is quality embedded in each step of the beauty supply chain. But the, you know, the importance and the, the likelihood of any sort of mistake being, you know, a much bigger issue than it ever would have been in the past is is just increasing. And so for for companies that have higher risk tolerances or are, you know, allowing some, you know, greater variability in their in their supply chains, right. they're going to they're going to get the feedback of the consequences of that so much faster than they ever would have been in the past and it's going to be really, you know, detrimental to the brand and to the company if in this space, in particular, there isn't a really dedicated focus on quality. Absolutely. Such amazing insights. Thank you both. So protecting consumers is why quality at the beginning of supply chain is crucial to a successful business model in the beauty industry. Extra costs in the supply chain always comes down to the quality of everyone involved from sourcing and manufacturing the goods 
The key is to have partners like SQA help you to do that. For more information about SQA, visit them at sqaservices.com. Thank you to Mike and to Ashley for joining me on the show today. Thanks. Appreciate the time, Sarah. Yeah, Sarah, thank you so much for the opportunity to join the conversation. Well, that's it for this series. We hope you have enjoyed listening as much as I have loved producing it. And I really can't believe what you have seen over at SQA. Thank you for the opportunity to work with you on the series and help bring the world of quality and supply chain together.